Absolutely. Um, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Blase, blase. I'm going to turn you up just a tad on my end. Try again. Can you hear me? Is everything okay? I can definitely hear you. It's just going to be a question of the stream capture, so I need to wait a little bit for that delay. A little bit low, not too bad. All right, let's just max him out. Hey, shout out to the guy who said got to in all caps. Hey, baby, Berserk represent. I haven't seen Berserk. Oh my god, I think that you would love it. I just, I maybe I'm uh, mischaracterizing your your interests, but just on a uh, a world building and aesthetic standpoint, Berserk I think was made for you. So don't you like Dark Souls and things of that nature? Yeah, and that's why I've heard about Berserk was that like the Prepare to Die edition cover is based off like an art piece of Berserk, and that's all I know. Like that's the You're extent exactly. of my Berserk knowledge. You're exactly right. Uh, Artorius of the Abyss was actually pretty much modeled straight after Guts. Like his fighting style, sort of like the aesthetic, the, the broken down man from the Abyss, that, that's all Berserk. I, I think you'd really like it. My wife is enough of a goddamn weave. I don't need more anime in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand your concern, but Berserk is... I don't know how to say it. Berserk is like the least weeby anime it's like one of the least weeby animes you can watch. Yeah, it's like, an old one, no... isn't it? Yeah, you're exactly right. Like, it's okay. less like Oni-chan and all that sort of like <laughs> typical BS and more like, yeah, your favorite character just got cut in half right in front of you. Deal with it, idiot. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> all right. So let's do a fun. And if the audio levels are fine, we can do a quick introduction. Uh, so the people who are jumping in and watching, probably most of you guys are aware. So the podcast that we're just trying to do is me chatting with people from the community, not you know specifically content creators, but actually focusing on people that don't have the opportunity to say their thoughts on the game. Obviously, we can only do one person at a time, and that's it. So I got an email from, we're going with Wolf. Uh, for the name, uh, we put the some like the badges that he had on his account. And uh, if you want to give yourself an introduction, go for it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's just like you said, I'm not some, you know, cracked out Mountain Dew infused content creator. I'm not doing anything on the podcast today for clout. I just I play far too many video games. And it just so happens that ARPGs are among my favorite. Um, I've been playing Path of Exile like 5k hours, something like that, um, but I've just been playing RPGs as a whole my entire life. I got introduced to uh, ARPGs, probably like most people who play PoE through Diablo 2. Um, I got grossly addicted to that game. Uh, Titan Quest and Grim Dawn are another a couple of ARPGs that are at the top of the list. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm just a dude that likes to play a lot of video games, and I love talking about them. Um, I've played way too much Path of Exile. Um, I have some I have some fun achievements, like I've killed, you know, all the content. Um, I've only held on to one special character. I usually purge my character lists, but um, I've got a, I've got a, you know, a headhunter, you know, super turbo character. That's uh, sitting in my character list that I jump into after I'm done with the league. But um, aside from that, yeah, just happy to be here and, you know, discuss the game with you. You know, the topics that I liked and that's about it. So one of the things you did mention were like uh, going through all the bosses. If What is your personal achievement that stands out 
the most to you that you had the most fun you completed and like yes um it's hard to say right because at at a certain point i don't think i ever attempted a boss that i wasn't certain i could i couldn't delete so when it comes to boss completions i think this is a, a problem with with path of exile as a whole for for basically the more that you play the game the less meaningful the bosses are if i was a newer player which i guess it's kind of a it's kind of like a, a an oxymoronical statement because newer players aren't going to get to uber elder um like you know by, by the time i attempted these bosses you know i just shit on them you know they died within se- Wait, am i allowed to curse by the way pt oh yeah you you're know. good okay you're okay sad. i just I, okay got it how dare yeah, you I, <laughs> I know, I know. I know you of all people wouldn't mind. I just didn't. I just, I guess I should have asked beforehand. But um, yeah, I mean, I just, I shit on most bosses uh, that I go to attempt because I understand sort of the breakpoints that you need uh, to be able to do the content comfortably. And I know you would cringe at this, but, you know, if if I were to like categorize the archetype of my characters, it's sort of like the Mathel style where it's very like the absolute bare minimum defenses. And I like doing content, you know, as quickly as possible um, because I, I enjoy being efficient. Um, another problem with Pact of Exile. Um, and I just, I feel bad when I have to actually engage in fights, which are on the whole, not very well designed in my opinion. I know it's probably an unpopular opinion that I, don't, I just don't think that boss fights in Path of Exile are, are very good. Um, there are some very excellent fights, but on the whole, I don't think they're very good. What would, um, there's a lot of reasons. What would end up being like the three fights that stand out to you immediately that you're like, okay, these fights are great, and I would like to see more fights like them? Uber Elder comes to mind. That's probably like the best one, in my opinion, in my, my personal sort of experience. Um, Uldred, what is his name? I'm sorry, the, the Expedition Boss, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. That one's a really cool one. Um, and then I think the Chimera. I think the Chimera is a really cool boss fight. Chimera? Yeah. Okay, I, I was like not that expecting one. that one. What about the Chimera fight? Uh, well, I, I know that it's kind of weird, right? Because maybe, you know, you've, you've, you've done the fight enough that he's, you know, you look at it from today's lens, he's not very interesting. But on release, right? You know, you're hitting him, he's doing, like, Reeves and, and sort of, like, Blade Flurry-esque sort of skills at you. And he do enough damage, and then he poofs into a bunch of smoke piles, and it's this very, like, frantic, like, oh my god, what do I do? He's just cutting me, and then you start walking into the smoke, and he doesn't show up, and, you know, you get unlucky, and you have to go to the last smoke pile to, you know, make him more. I just think that that experience of facing him the first time and trying to, you know, um, snuff him out, you know, out of the smoke, uh, getting out of his... Um, his telegraphs, like his circle slash and things of that nature. Um, I don't know. I just think that was super cool. That was surprising. And there's not a lot of bosses in PoE that do stuff like this. I don't think it's, you know, a pinnacle boss fight, but I just think there's a couple of really cool aspects that stood out to me when I first fought him that I really enjoyed. So the one thing that catches me off guard when you put like Chimera there is for the most part, it's notorious that immunity phases are not really liked in Path of Exile. Uh, very few mm-hmm. people are like, you know what, I want more immunity phases. But the Chimera, you talked about specifically the immunity phases of the encounter. Um, are you normally fine with the immunity phases, or what is it just the spectacle of this one that makes it more interesting for you? Uh, well, I think it's a it's a multi pronged subject for me because not only am I okay with immunity phases, just 
you know, uh, so I think that if there weren't any immunity phases, it sort of limits potential creativity in a boss fight. Because if a boss can just be 100 to 0 you know, and there's just no meaningful interaction, they can't, they don't have phases. Um, I just think that's, that's kind of lame. I'm okay with, you know, if you're super strong and you just phase the boss into an immunity phase. I just... Personally, I just think that there's more room for creativity and boss design with immunity phases, where you're not just able to delete a boss, skip this interaction. It's sort of like how um, you know uh, how top players sort of grade doing Cirrus, for example. It's just shitting on them so that you just you just get to the next mechanic, get to the next mechanic as quickly as possible. You know, there's no dodging skills. There's no you know how do I mitigate what he's going to do to me. Um, I know I'm speaking in a lot of generals, but a lot of this is just ARPGs. Well, we're um, here for your opinion, so don't worry about it. Okay. I, I have a bad habit of that as a person. Um, but yeah, I, I actually, I quite enjoy immunity phases, just because I, I really do think that there's a lot of creativity that you can do with boss fights, uh, meaningful interaction. Um, I just, I'm not in the camp that is annoyed because I have to, you know, add two to three minutes to my boss kill. Is there some boss fights in Path of Exile where the immunity phases take away from the fight for you then? Hmm. I mean, yeah, but only if those immunity phases aren't utilized in sort of the lens I was, I was sort of posing. So, I mean, if it's, if the immunity phases isn't something like, like Chimera, where you're frantically trying to search through the smoke piles while you're getting slashed and you're sort of on a timer to reveal him, you know, a lot of immunity phases are just watch me transform into this thing or... So yeah. at Ziri ad phase, uh, sorry, not the split phase, but when she goes immunity and the ads just kind of basically fill your flasks for no reason. Yeah, I mean, it takes like, feels like 30 minutes just to fill your flasks up where I feel like those ads could just spawn during the fight. That's a good example of one that I'm not really keen on. Um, once again, you know, it's not a deal breaker. I'm not like Path of Exile at Ziri is shit because of this. It's definitely annoying. Uh, that's definitely one where maybe they could do something where maybe like while she's immune, like a mirror at Siri goes around while, you know, the zombies are flooding in and she's throwing shit at you and things of that nature. I don't know. Uh, that That is a very good example, I think, that you brought up of an immunity phase that doesn't really add anything. It's really just a flask phase and a, and a too long one at that. The aspect that was interesting about that is usually I use the Etsiri immunity phase as something that I enjoy because it's like as a hardcore player, it's like, okay, get your heart rate down, respite, mm. and then go again. Mm. You know, that, that's good. And and I think that it's a, it's important that you brought that up because I, I was I was a hardcore player up until um, Incursion. That's when I made the swap to softcore. Up until that point, I was hardcore or nothing. Um so I can respect that a lot, actually, about, you know, having a reprieve, resetting your mindset, um, you know, planning ahead for the phases. How many flasks do I have? Do I need to portal out? Things of that nature. I can definitely respect that. So then what made the swap in Incursion? What was like, you know what? I'm done with hardcore Incursion. Um, I think at the time, if I'm if I remembering correctly, I was rolling a Chieftain. I was doing some Nagamahu's Flame um cyclone build uh, which was pretty popular at the time um and i was just going through an incursion 
and there were a couple of rare monsters with some nasty mods. I had like I have pretty decent uh, defenses at that point, as you do in hardcore. You don't attempt ripping content unless you know everything is in order. So I, I felt like I had put things together, and you know I get it. Poe is a game of the perfect storm where you know you're going to get a bunch of unlucky mods, and then monster monsters are going to indiscriminately shit on you. You know they high roll, they get a bunch of crits. You don't react in time and die. It was up to that point where I realized that. Um, I, I could sort of see where the design of, of future league mechanics were going. You know, Breach had already happened at that point. Uh, I was just like, you know what? It, it just sort of seems like GGG is designing content to be very spiky, very unpredictable. And I, I play hardcore in every other ARPG to this date. Path of Exile is the only ARPG I still do not play uh, hard or that I play softcore in. Um, and it was just that realization. Where I was like, "Wow, you know, they um, there's no predictability. You know, there's no. I, I can't plan for there to be subfizz and accurate. You know, powerful crit monster or no rares and you know spawn in and get immediately pissed on by constructs. So I just kind of got frustrated and I was like, you know, they're not designing this game for hardcore players. Um, and that's sort of what broke it for me. So then that ties into one of the things that you wanted to talk about, which was defenses. That's when the email you sent me, you're like, hey, defenses, that was one of the big things. Hey, PT, um, I can't hear you if you're talking. Sorry about that. Um, one of the things that you were saying with the email that you sent was the defenses. And that was one of the things that you wanted to talk about that ties in. So then would the main reason that you switched from the hardcore to softcore gameplay would just be the general defensive options that were available to you? You know, it's funny that you say that because you, you'll hear what I said before and then you're going to hear what I say now and you're probably going to think I'm a hypocrite and I, I can explain. I think defenses need to be nerfed. Is that an outlandish statement? Well, I I agree with that one too, as long as it's like RNG defenses there, but elaborate on your thoughts. Okay, so, so here's what I mean by that. And you're talking about RNG defenses. The first thing I was going to call out to are people crying about dodge builds not having good defense. Um, dodge builds have some of the strongest defense in the game, and it is because of how strong it is that, you know, GGG has to have the spike damage to deal with the sheer bullshit uh, that dodge builds, you know, can leverage. You, know, you have your, you know, you can stack things like Wind Dancer, Kitsugi, max spell dodge max attack dodge you know elusive effects things of that nature you are rarely hit um i don't know the math on it but i can tell you that you know once again even though it's rng based that the effective damage reduction that these type of builds have is quite absurd um i think i think i could pretty confidently say that and i think that the fact that rng defenses exist is the reason why ggg has to put like massively spiky damage in the game that is unpredictable um and why basically characters have to explode from time to time at the other side of the defenses there are things like valve molten shell would you put them in different tiers like yes theoretically your evasion dodge mitigation can mitigate a more damage uh but valve molten shell is still an incredible comparison to your health pool that's available. Absolutely, and I think Vol Molten Shell is more fair, in my opinion, than Dodge. 
because it's something that's not up all the time. Sure, you could argue like, oh, it's usually up when you need it. But, you know, when you're doing highest tier contents, you're doing, you know, like super deliriums, um, you know, a very, uh, very low depth delves. Those are tools that are not open to you all the time. Uh, and you have to, you know, build a good amount of armor. So, you know, you have to rely on armor, which, you know, is a bit of a meme in Path of Exile, has been for a while. Um, yeah, and I think it. I think it's fair because you have to actively invest in it. Like you usually have to take, like some some armor nodes. You have to have decent base types across the board, uh, which means either you have to buy already a decent rare item. You know, you have to get your eternal uh, version. Of, I, I don't even know how to pronounce that name, but you have to get your 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 high base type. You know, uh, armor items to get those fat vol molten shells. And once again, I'm not saying Vault Molten Shell is bad. It's obviously not. It's very effective. But I think it's fair because you're actively uh, you're actively investing into it. Whereas Dodge, it's it's quite easy to stack Dodge and Elusive Effect. And then you have like Nightblade support, which is one of the most ridiculous support gems in the game. It's very easy to keep full effectiveness on, on Dodge, for example, all the time when you need it. Do you actually have a league that you can point to where you were most happy with the state of defenses in Path of Exile? Um, Just because like, it's one of the things when we talk about defenses in the abstract, but it's really good for when we can be like, okay, it felt good in this league. Yeah, you're definitely right. I would say that when I was the most... It's, it, sounds, it sounds strange because in current PoE, you know, even though I said that defenses need to be nerfed, right? Um, you know, you have, you know, your 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 top end. In before before I answer, can I can I ask you real quick, just because I'm I'm pretty sure yep, I'm gonna go for it. Uh, do you think that just divine flesh is just like maddeningly broken? I find it's a really hard com like divine flesh is really efficient, but when you compare it to transcendence, it's not as good. So I'd always feel like Divine Flesh is like a budget transcendence option. Mm -hmm. But I guess Divine Flesh you can use in a lot more builds. Yeah, that's sort of what I was going for. Um, and the reason why I brought up like Divine Flesh, because it's like it's something that I throw into almost every left tree build, even though I know you can do it right. It's just when you're stacking like block, for example, you know, you're stacking like Glancing Blows, uh, Divine Flesh, Fortify Effect, things of that nature... Get some. You can get some pretty nutty defensive layers. Um, anyways, back to your original question. I didn't mean to uh, go to a. a it's tangent. about you. Have fun. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, I think honestly, uh, let me look at the league list. Um, yeah, take your time. I'm just gonna make some white noise in the background while you figure it out. Do not feel rushed. Just because, yeah, because we've had some really weird and extreme defenses pop out here and there in some of the leagues. Yeah. Whether it be like the absolute old school surgeon, one hundred percent immunity builds, where it's just like, hey, keep critting, because once you stop critting, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh man, I actually miss sur I miss uh, surgeons crit flask. I don't think they should be in the game. That's not what I'm saying, but I, I do miss sort of the the ridiculous shit that came up. I think that the league, in terms of just general average defense, um, I think it was actually beyond I was most happy in. 
I know that sounds pretty wild because Beyond was really nasty back then, but I think Beyond I was the most happy. Okay, so what would what would be about Beyond that you enjoyed the most? Now, what I'm thinking in the abstract, you had the endurance charge situation where that was the majority of Fizz defense. Yep. And you had enduring cry, immortal call, cast one damage taken. Uh, energy shield would have been like your top end defense, but very few people could have afforded that. Um, and then it was just um, like if you were really pushing, you would be it would be the surgeon immunity. Yeah. No, and, and you're definitely right. And to and whereas I'm saying I'm the most happy, I don't think that defenses were in the best spot there. I have to differentiate. Oh yeah, no, that. I'm just trying to give context uh, to some people that might not have played at what are the extremes were available. Because other than that, block and dodge at that point, acro didn't have the penalty to block. Yep. So you actually had like max block, max dodge, but I don't think many people did that that I know of. Yeah, and and you're exactly right. And to the to the point of dodge, right? I do think that sort of the defensive archetypes were generally well balanced. Um, if I'm not mistaken, mind over matter, Arctic armor was that dead at that point? I can't remember. I think it was still alive then, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. El I think you mean Eldritch Battery. Arctic yes, armor? Eldritch yep. Battery. Sorry. Yep, that yeah, was I there. I think that was still alive. And even though, yeah, it was very strong for the time. Once again, an an example of a consistent defense that you invested in that had a very clear drawback that you were actively mitigating. You know, you had to run clarity, things of that nature. Um, you know, uh, once again, with dodge, uh, you, people were running, I think, um, what's the, the dead chest that gave you the a lightning res penalty and you took lightning coil. Light. Yeah, exactly. The fact that I forgot about Lightning Coil, in my opinion, is a crime, by the way. I played too much 2.0 to forget about Lightning Coil. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, to me, sort of my play style back then, that, that was sort of a Lightning Coil league for me. And I think that Lightning Coil is an example of a very well-designed item that offers the type of defense that I, or the defensive options that I like to look for as a player. Something that is a very strong drawback, um... I guess strong in quotations. I guess if you're if you're good at gearing and a good player, getting you know seventy five to a hundred extra lightning res in your gear isn't that big a deal. Um, but if you're, um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy that. And once again, you know, for the left tree, to the point that you made, even though it was very straightforward and simple, uh, endurance charges were a very effective mitigation. They made it so that even when nasty beyond mobs sort of came out of the woodwork, you had time to react. And it really was up to you to react and play well uh, to survive for the most part. Um, so, yeah, th those are sort of the defensive options. To me, those that was the defensive heyday where there was just there was multiple good, consistent options for defense. Um, and that as long as you reacted and you geared around those things, um, that they they were they were pretty effective. They weren't overpowered. Obviously, there were some overpowered interactions, um, but for the average player, um, I think they were in a really good spot. Then I think it was pretty good. Well, there were definitely some very overpowered things back and beyond, mm -hmm. and that was still when the game was trying to figure out what it wanted to consider fair. Because yeah, surgeon's immunity stayed, I think, until two point I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, and there were obviously some abuse cases, and Beyond was a bit of a turning point in more ways than one. I think we would agree uh, in Path of Exile. Well, that's when we I got think, the craft benches. Yep, that's obviously that's a that's a huge one. Uh, people just on general 
had better items than they used to. Um, but I think that that is sort of when things turned a corner where, you know, clear speed started ramping up as a more and more important thing. You know, these dangerous. So you would put that all the way back to 1.1 where the ramp up started to happen? Or sorry, 1.2. Yeah, obviously the, the literal clear speed does not rival, you know. Yeah. When like the Vol Spark shit started hitting and things like that, but um, yeah, I think from like a paradigm perspective, that's when the switch started happening. In my opinion, that's when I observed it as a player. And it does make sense. A lot of people forget about the power level of gear pre-craft bench, which you know mm-hmm. that's been brought up because of hard mode, apparently. Um and. You know, just being able to get triple resists. Uh, and the first league where we had craft bench, there was even hybrid fizz craft bench available. Yep. And I think it was like tier three hybrid fizz. It was actually pretty yes. disgusting. Um, the it multi-mod was... had no limitation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was funny because if you go back to what you could craft on the items, the craft bench would probably be more deterministic than what we would consider harvest was for the power level of gear. But overall, players were just kind of bad and didn't use it. <laughs> no, you're you're exactly right. And it was just, just an interesting time in PoE where, I, I guess I use this word, I might get maimed for it, the average skill of the Path of Exile player. Um, I, don't even, I don't even know if I can say it was lower, just because that was just such a, a new thing introduced to the game, the crafting bench. Like, that was just not something that an average PoE player could have imagined would be introduced into the game at that time. And the fact that it was there, I mean, people are like, oh, shit, you know, I can make some godlike items myself now. And uh, I, that's why I made the joke uh, with my friends back in beyond where I'm like, wow, the blue, I call it the blue collar POE player, the guy who doesn't play, you know, degenerate meta builds, um, you know, runs like the most effective content to sell to other players to amass wealth to then, you know create top tier items or offer services things of that nature to other players to extend their wealth and you know make these ridiculous characters um that that league was like the blue collar poe players league where they could just run maps you know sell their rare items for chaos and they they, they had like a path forward to making like a pretty legit character if they just put the time in so then if we were to move from that point where you're like, okay, this was a good for a blue collar, basically, like there was a lot of things that players didn't discover. There was extreme defenses that were available, even though they weren't necessarily utilized by most people. Where would you then go is like the worst defensive league? Ooh. <clears throat> that is... A difficult question because part of me wants to go to leagues where there were no great options and then you know i want to point to a like current day where i think that defenses are in the worst spot which is an interesting thing to say because once again i think that there are some defenses that are like really overpowered on the top end and current poe and that the lower end of the spectrum um that defenses aren't in a great spot use the example of vol molten shell you know, I don't want to, you know, rehash things, you know, be a broken record. I just think that the average player that's relying on, you know, Enduring, Cry, and Fortify, they're still going to get pissed on, you know, T13 maps, you know. I just, I want more options available on gear, less Keystone-related defenses, 
Um, I think that just PoE in general needs more interesting mods on gear. Um, so if I had to say worst defensive spot, I would just say current PoE. So yeah, right now you're just like, eh, it's not comfortable. Yeah, and, and like I said, in, it's not because good defenses don't exist in PoE. It's quite the opposite. I just, I just wish there were more um, interesting mods for for players to sort of work around. Uh, here, I actually listed some examples. Uh, some I was examples just going to ask some... you them. Yeah. So uh, one example is I don't think that chaos inoculation should uh, cancel chaos damage. I think that that whole archetype needs to be reworked to create more space for monster design, which is another topic I'd like to talk to at some or talk about at some point. Uh, I think just having a keystone that cancels one type of damage. I'm just not a fan of immunities to damage types for anything for monsters or players. Immunity phase uh, is good. Immunity to damage bad. Exactly. There's a big difference there, exactly. Um, I think that CI should be retooled. I think energy shield should just be reworked in general. CI should not cancel chaos damage. Uh, chaos inoculation being one of the defensive options available to players. Energy shield. So would you um, want to see energy shield in a place where it's more or less the same? I believe there's actually a PvP node in Royale where you basically get the chaos doesn't bypass, you just don't get the immunity. You're exactly right. Um, and obviously people are going to call into question, well, you know, if it can obviously bypass energy shield or damage energy shield, well, how is ES supposed to regen? What would differentiate it from life? And, I'm, and then I would answer, well, this is where the passive tree or mods on gear should come into play and make ES operate uniquely from life. Um, you know, I think maybe you could even argue that ES should be, a, it should start recharging after damage taken recently. Maybe, maybe recently is a bad tag, but maybe ES should just start regenerating after damage taken after like two seconds. And then like the, the max amount that it regenerates is like the max ES that you have. So it's still, you know, ES benefits from having that fat ES pool. Um, but the limitation is, is that, you know, it's not just going to, perma regen to full and you're we're back to the days of like you know your vault packed ci bullshit where it's just topped off completely um just just spitballing i just think that in a vacuum there shouldn't be immunities to damage and there's probably some really cool like chaos damage only boss fights that ggg just can't make because ci exists for example um aura bots and sort of curse bots things of that nature. Um, I have an issue with those because they offer a lot of uh, a lot of defense by way of offense. I know that that's pretty dumb, but I think our bots also need to die for room for good defense to exist. Um, well, when you're looking at the defense then, and just because you brought it up in the scope of party play, do you think a lot should be spent in time of just like caring about that? Because it's a more complicated problem when you're talking about one person, the auras, you know, curses, debuffs, buffs versus a boss. And now you have someone else like the purity auras are the major example that, yep. of aura bot abuse. No, you're exactly right. Um, I, I apologize. My dog was doing something really dumb at the uh, the other side of the room. It distracted me. Uh, Don't worry the, about the, it. 
what was the first portion of your question? You were saying uh, something about the party play. Well, because, for... yeah, you brought up party play, and then this is when you're talking about the design of the enemies. It's like, okay, so then if alternate parties can enhance the variable defense of, you know, who's playing, mm-hmm. should there be time and effort spent into this where we're considering it, or should we just be like, oh, it's party play, it can be an easier mode? Unfortunately, I don't think that GGG has the luxury of just ignoring party play. Um, and for and I say that because most players play softcore trade. I know we can meme that, right? But um, you know, you can't have you know the solo guy or maybe the guy that has one to two average player friends, and they run their you know one to two shitty auras or, or heralds, and think that that compares to like MP and his group. And they have like 30 or I know there's not 30 auras in the game, but just for hyperbole's sake, you know, they have like 30 auras on on one guy and his damage is like effectively like 20 times, you know, <laughs> the average player that's playing in the group. Yeah, I, I think that sort of the aura stacking and party play aspects have to be addressed in order for these uh, things to be addressed in, in any significant manner. So I think that just with the exponential nature um, of top party play, um it's just it's it's far and away more effective for you know two to three guys to do nothing and just stacked um reduced mana reserved nodes on their tree run a billion auras one while one guy is you know a god and will never die are you in a position then where you're like you know because it matters to trade and there isn't an easy solution it should just be straight gutted or do you see yeah. a place where it could be a benefit but not skew the entire game? Yeah, and, and obviously I have to, I have to call in, into nature like my my sort of my philosophical stance on support characters and ARPGs in general. Um, it's not to say that I don't think support characters should exist. I just think that you have to ask the question like, what does a support care? What what should a support character look like in Path of Exile? You know, like should there be like healing spells that you cast you know maybe it should be like soraka from league of legends where you can like heal a player but it significantly damages you in turn um i i just i think that unfortunately the way the game is now the best option would be to just straight up kill that stuff because i think that the game would be more interesting as a result i know i know it sucks to just kill things and that you know ideally i think most people would like to just think of a solution I just I don't see how yeah I just I just don't see how it's possible for that stuff to to still exist and not significantly warp the economy for other players. And you don't see a different style of support either cuz I do know Chris mentioned relatively recently about, you know, nerfing aura bots and potentially giving a different way for party play to happen. There wasn't much information on this. It wasn't really elaborated on. But do you find something that could exist, or you're just like it's a pipe dream and it's only problems? I think I think there's definitely space for support characters. I just think that you have to have you know reasonable drawbacks for that playstyle. I think that you know if a like I said, I think it should be a more active playstyle because supports are very passive. You know, maybe they're throwing out like some curse on hit shit. That's like the most active shit that they do, or they're running around like buffing their minions or something. Um, but compared to the player who's the quote-unquote carry, uh, it's a very passive play style. 
Um, I think that most people would agree with that. That supports are are fairly passive and they're just sort of running around in a circle. Well, I think uh, it depends sure. on the style of supports because like you're going to have certain aggressive, like your color, which is stacking mm -hmm. your quantity and stuff, needs to be in the front line tagging everything possible and they're going to be for it. And as long as they're, like as long as everyone's in a position of immunity. So you do have to have one aggressive designated support. Sure. But and they, if you, know, you have that's a team, sort of, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's sort of like Micro's example of that specific support, you know, being active, he has to put himself in danger to get that benefit. Yeah, that, that would fall in line with sort of what I'm looking for. But, you know, if you, I just, I don't think that, I, th I don't know how you'd even kill it. Maybe you cap the amount of, of auras that can even be active on a player. I just think that uh, until a until a solution where a more active play style with legitimate drawbacks and, and a player is being posed with danger um, exists, uh, that the current system should be dead. Uh, and essentially, and not not to say that it can't exist. Obviously, I think it can exist. So you I, you I'm, want like return party benefits once we have a solution, not exactly. let the current state devolve while we pretend that there will eventually be a solution. Precisely. So then going a little bit back, because we tangented to the party play, to defenses. Um, Ward, that's a defense. Is it? <laughs> I mean, I guess in the most <laughs> literal sense it is, right? But <laughs> I just think that the way that Path of Exile works, I don't think that unless there's a unique item or a mod that, that, that fundamentally changes how Ward works mechanically, I don't think it's ever going to be like something super amazing. Okay, but you didn't like the idea of defenses being like relocated through the keystone system. Right. Um but with are you then more comfortable with a defense that would depend on a unique entirely? Um I, I know I I may find myself in the minority because I've always been somebody who and I understand unique's function. We care about your opinion, don't defend it, just say it. <laughs> I know that uniques traditionally uh operate as a starter item or like the initial sort of uh build enabler. Um and that's sort of the 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 realm that GGG has said that they sort of want uniques to be in generally. Obviously some uniques break that through your headhunters or hate forge during um uh, ultimatum i i i like unique items being best in slot depending on what they're doing so in terms of like a unique item if there was a unique item that completely changed how ward works and and i'm at this point i guess i'm just saying just remove ward but if there's a unique item that sort of maybe changed ward to operate a little bit differently to make it more effective yeah i'm cool with that design space i'm cool with unique uh unique items offering you know defensive layers by themselves with a particular drawback like you know i've already made it clear that i like lightning coil uh that's i just think that that's one of the coolest items in the game even though it's not very effective in current day poe okay and then I think we interrupted when you're bringing up an example. You wanted then some of the defenses to be relegated more to like the mods on gear, so prefixes, suffixes, maybe implicits. Um, did you have any examples of what you would like to see on gear that would help player defense rather than the current systems? Yeah. Um, uh, here, let me. I think I I was creating some uh, some fanfic uniques. I guess you could call them. 
<laughs> you should have sent me them. I would have just thrown them up for fun. I, I was thinking about them this morning because I was like, you know, the kind of guy that PT is, you know, he's going to want exam. If I say something, he's not going to want to let it sit there. He's going to want an example. Um, so that's uh, thinking about that made me uh, write some of these. So I had uh, made basically the concept of a pair of boots. Uh, and because boots suck, if they don't have 30 MS, they have 30 MS. No tailwind, though. Fuck yourself. Um, As is tradition. They, yeah. So they have 30 MS. Uh, and they have a hundred ward, pretty decent uh, little bit of ward. And essentially, what it is is essentially when ward drops, when you're hit, ward comes back up, which is very strong, right? Yeah, it's but, the, it would be the automated flask effect because you get the ward restored on the iron flask usage. Exactly, but it cuts your ward in half, you know. And obviously, that's like that's like very generic, you know. There's nothing, you know, to write home like, oh my god, that's such an you know an amazingly designed item. But you know, you're not getting life from it. You know, you're not getting resists. It's strong. There's like a, there's a drawback by the, the by the mods are that are not there. But you know, once again, it makes it so that you want to stack what is a difficult defensive uh, statistic to stack. I don't, I don't think anybody will say that Ward is is easy to get a lot of. But it's strong, and once again, it encourages you to to go invest in it. And I think that'd be decently strong, right? Because if you have enough Ward, basically means every other attack. You know, it's pretty significant you know, damage reduction, but it leaves you open to the one shot after it's down. Mm. Um, so that, that's sort of like one of the examples that I put up. <clears throat> Another example um, here, let me look. Be one of the more interesting ones. Okay. So there's this one that I had. Uh, so it was a pair of gloves and essentially it was that um, it doubled your uh, it doubled your range, uh, your range to dodge chance, but uh, or doubled your chance to evade dodge attacks. But your projectiles had like a ten percent chance to chain back at you. Um, s some shit like that. Um, that would be just suicide. I, I know, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I, I know that it's, I know that oh, it's yeah, not no. great. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it was just, it'd be funny. I, I would use those to PK people. Like, if it made my projectile hostile, <laughs> and I could go into map be like, no, trust me, guys, I'm an Orobot. <laughs> but, like, if that item existed in a world where, you know, maybe there were other defensive uh, mods where you were more resistant to ranged attacks... Uh, but you're more vulnerable to melee attacks, so it really hammered home, you know, you being a ranged fighter, you know. Uh, and this would this kind of went hand in hand with some of the the points I would bring up about um, monster design. So maybe it's not as fleshed out a thought without sort of my other points from there. I just think that kind of stuff. There's some interesting space for it. Okay, so then with some of those, because um, you were doing like mock-up uniques for your own fun, and um, do you think that? more defense modification should be put into the uniques or um what about like the they're usually prefix uh like prefix or suffix mods for like defense options you know a lot of people find that the drops of the game are a little bit not super fantastic um then you're looking at a situation where it's like yeah you could definitely do certain things with uniques but you run into the issue it's like oh that's a neat mod and it's a belt well it's like well is it going to compete with headhunters in the very extreme example 
Right. No, I think you have a good point. Um, and I think that, generally speaking, good defensive mods should just be available on rare gear. But for, like, the more out there, like, if something significantly alters how maybe a global defense like life, ES, or ward, uh, or dodge, something like that, if it significantly changes how a defense works fundamentally, I do think that those should generally be on unique items because those should come at a cost or, you know, those should be <laughs> unique. Imagine that. Is there any, like, prefix suffix mods that you find, like, they should be unique and you don't like that items can roll them by default? Yeah. Um, so for rare items, uh, I'm generally... It's hard to say. Because, like, you know, like, the, the fizz damage taken as an element? Yeah, the um, lightning I'm... coil one. Yeah, I I generally don't think that those should be on rares. Yeah, you know, I definitely think that those should be sort of uh, unique interactions. Personally, I'm trying to. What do you think in that situation of the kind of occasional people that would somehow get like the red blade base helmet? Is that an okay example because it's a rare weird exception, or even then it's just kind of like eh, it takes away from the taste of hate and lightning coil so no real point yeah and i'm st i still have to put myself in that camp I'm, I'm not one of those people who are willing to budge on something that breaks the rules based on rarity um i know that ggg likes to do that like well you know this interaction breaks the rules of our game or breaks our typical conventions that we put forward because it's you know tier fuck you rarity like mm. tier method rarity I i'm not in that camp you know, if it, if it sort of violates fundamentally what I'm going for, it, the the rarity is not going to change my mind. So then you find yourself, it's like, okay, this item is presented to me as a unique. This is the property that makes it unique. That is no longer accessible by rares because as soon as it is, well, it's not unique, is it? Exactly. Okay. And I understand that may not be popular, but that's sort of how, in my opinion, how uniques used to be. Um, and they have sort of lost that identity. Uniques age in very varied ways. There's some yeah. that hold up surprisingly well. Others, oh dear God. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there are some unique items that were very poggers, and now they're dog water. I remember, yeah, just, there's a lot of examples of that. Well then, so going on to some of like the monster design things that you wanted to talk about, uh, we touched on some of the boss fighting a little bit in like the encounters that you enjoyed. Um, what is like the interaction between like players and enemies that you find is where it needs to be, and what you would want to see di happen differently as we get very weird, obscure patches going in forward? Yeah, so I I'm generally okay with boss fights. Honestly, I don't really. Like I said, I know that you know people's opinions on PoE boss fights vary, vary radically, and I think that that varies based on how many other ARPGs or maybe even MMOs or just type of games that they've played. Because if somebody tells me that they've played, you know, like Grim Dawn or Last Epoch or something, and that hasn't changed their view on PoE boss fights, I, I would have a hard time believing them. I think that there are even some like sub bosses in Last Epoch that compete with Path of Exile on a mechanical level, personally. Mm -hmm. um, but, that makes sense. 
but like for for sort of just general monster design i have an issue with how monsters sort of work right now i think that across the whole you know ggg like threw out some statistic during um i forget who's it may have been like ziz or or mathel's podcast but you know chris is going on is like oh we have you know hundreds of tile sets you know we have hundreds of different monsters to kill and to me i'm like do you have hundreds of monsters to kill because i feel like you could take like any number of like 60 radically different artistically looking monsters but they all operate the same way you know most of them either have some range attack that they hurl at you or they aggressively die at you you know white monsters rarely get an attack off so they're just there for you to shit on and feel good about i think um expedition monsters those are probably some of the most well-designed monsters that uh that i've seen from them in a while i actually really enjoy fighting expedition monsters they actually have skills and spells that they throw at you um i don't know but it just seems like there's some interesting interaction there it's not just oh this wheel is rolling at me or oh this pirate's really running up to cut me with his auto attack you know it's all very homogenous in my opinion for the most part. okay so then could you elaborate then on just like the expedition and which part of like the types of mobs because yeah they do have some like distinct abilities um but there's a lot of occasions like oh that one has a spectral throw ability and that doesn't make that particularly ghost um much better so what is it about the exp- expedition encounters that you find is a higher quality than the rest of the game I think that if you drill my psyche down enough, it just comes down to they don't die instantly. So I actually like see them doing things to me. So it ends up being like (laughs) the ward defense that's attached to them. Oddly enough is what engages you. Yes. I'm always confused by them because their ward behaves differently than our ward. And I'm like, what's going on? Well, yeah, their ward seems good. So <laughs> first, I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> that does that seem get... true. If we had that ward, we would be gods. <laughs> yeah, their ward seems good. So I don't know what unique items they data mined from GGG to make it work. But uh, they seem to have figured it out. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just the fact that they have the ability to attack and that, you know, their attacks seem quite unique from like a visual spectacle um, sort of standpoint. Uh, I guess it's just the increased interaction. Because if there were more monsters um, that could. And, and, you know, and even then, the white monsters, you know, like the shitty little skeletons that drag themselves along the ground, um, they're whatever, right? I just think if there were more monsters like the Ward Shield skeletons and the runic monsters that, you know, do all the different sort of skills that they they do. I don't know. I just find that really interesting. You know, they have a lot of area attacks that are telegraphed to you that you have to imagine this, walk away from, um, especially if you've juiced them up with some pretty nasty remnants. I like that kind of stuff. And I think that um, maybe GGG could sort of push that into rare and magic monsters um, that you encounter in the field. So though you have some issues like with the player defense situation of the current league, at least the expedition content, you actually really like what it has to offer? Absolutely. I know that people have their their issues with like immunities on remnants and things of that nature, and those are well-founded in the splinter pickup, but specifically just fighting the things that are an expedition? Yeah, it's pretty cool. 
Uh, do you have any thoughts on like the immunity and that, or I guess it wouldn't be the immunity. How do you feel about the amount of text that you have to kind of parse through quickly while you're placing the dynamite either not so much in the maps as that ends up being fairly simple, but more so on the logbooks? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's ideal uh, for me personally, because, uh, you know, all the other league mechanics are, are fairly streamlined. You know what you're sort of getting from them. An expedition, it's like you have to stop to read a short story to get the most out of the league mechanic. Um, and, and I want to be careful with that because I don't want to just say that, oh, if a league mechanic requires a decent amount of time to be rewarding, engaging, it shouldn't exist. Because if I were to say that, Synthesis, one of my favorite leagues, wouldn't exist. Um, and that's probably one of the most menu-intensive um, sort of leagues we've had. But I think Synthesis and Expedition are different in so much as when you went into Synthesis, it was its own thing. You know, it was Synthesis. And Expedition, you're in a map. You know, you're in a map doing other league content, killing monsters, maybe trying to keep buffs up from pack to pack. And then, you know, you're going to lose those things and like start from zero, you know, to stop and read and make sure you're not screwing yourself on remnants and expedition. I don't know how you streamline that, um, maybe a little bit more. Uh, but generally speaking, I'm, I'm fairly negative on the amount of reading you have to do for expedition. I generally have the thought process like the same reason that they put icons above chests is like if there's going to be a consistent buff debuff or line of text just put a symbol by it and that way you see mm -hmm. the symbol and you're like ah I know it yeah yeah I would generally agree I think that there's they can definitely do a yeah actually now that you say that I think it's you know maybe they just have a a symbol for it like it's just a fire symbol with an x through it like oh don't do that I'm a I'm a chieftain cycloner, you know, full fire conversion. That's I'm going to do zero damage. I definitely think they could, uh, you know, do a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be a very eloquent solution. Very simple. So you said earlier that a lot of the bosses were problematic as well. Like they, we talked about some of the ones that you liked, but overall you were like, eh, the bosses aren't good. And you're like, well, last epoch, even the earlier bosses are better. You said Grim Dawn has really good bosses. So then where do you find that the Path of Exile bosses falls short? Especially because that seems to be a growing focus that they have as we've gotten patches and justifications for how they've changed things. I mean, probably the number one example of a boss that I wish that would just get deleted is probably Maven. Really? Why Maven? Um, on <laughs> it comes down to, like, honestly, like the memory game is probably one of the biggest aspects and just how, uh, how meaningful the fail or win condition is on something that uh, shouldn't exist in like a PO, in like a ARPG boss fight, in my opinion. I don't think that you should have to play Dance Dance Revolution while dodging abilities and things of that nature. So that one ends up being an interesting one because there is a pure skill element and you're not enjoying, like, regard, like, yeah, there's some random things that are going on in the encounter while the um, Dance Dance Revolution event happens. Um, but it still is a skill component that isn't checking your gear theoretically. Uh, oh, and I, I definitely agree. I agree that it's a, it's a skill element. I would just wish that we could express that skill in a more, I don't know, I guess in, in a more um, like traditional ARPG or RPG as a whole way. So like actual like uh, mechanically dodging things or, you know, instead of the memory game, where you know you have to step on things um, in a certain order, or you're boned. 
you know, maybe just, I don't know, this is difficult because you could just say, hey, you know, more ground telegraphs when there's already a lack of visual clarity when you have skills that are kind of nuts. Um, but if you're able to clear up sort of some of the path of exile visual clarity issues that exist for a lot of builds, I think that just more telegraphs on the ground and maybe just, uh, you know, as you get to sort of the uber tiers of fights and things of this nature, they they happen faster. I think it should be more reflex and mechanical based, in my opinion. It's not to say that there can't be space for things like the memory game. I just don't think the Maven fight is, in the middle of the Maven fight is the place for that. So it ends up not being necessarily the skill requirement in the Maven memory game as much as it doesn't make you feel like you're fighting a boss and all of a sudden it's this weird mini game, phone mini game that's happening. You're exactly right. Because I was just thinking as the example when you think about, um, you know, piety laser, it's just run around in a circle. And yeah. in theory, if she had the ability to stop and rotate in the other direction, from a skill standpoint, it would end up being the same thing, but you'd be fine with that. Absolutely. And I think that's, Absolutely. That, that ends up being an interesting one because we're separating, like, the mechanic versus the theme of the challenge. Mm-hmm. No, you're definitely right. And it, and once again, if I had it my way, you know, every monster would sort of be designed with this sort of thought process in mind, where once again, it's mainly a mechanical, a reflex check. Um, and I say knowledge check with some hesitation because you're like, oh, memory game is a knowledge check. Like, are you paying attention to the glowing things? I meant like, you know, if you, if, if there's a boss, right, and they're guaranteed to do a particular move after a move, like that's the type of knowledge that I'm referring to. Like, you know what attack they're going to do next. You know where you need to stand or run to, to be out of that effective AOE. That's sort of what I mean by uh, when I say knowledge um, in the middle, sort of like the, the more mechanical uh, and reflex based uh, combat. So going to a reflex based example, do you have a boss fight? Um, you said that you really liked the Uber Elder fight um, that Chimera and Ulrith or Uldred. Um, do you have a like a specific ability or even from a different fight where you're like, yeah, that's like the reflex type that I want to be seen in most of the encounters? Cirrus Maze, probably. That's a good one. Cirrus, I really? I hate that ability. I I know. I I I know. I, I know when I said that that I was going to get a bunch of groans, but Cirrus Maze is one of the ones I actually like. I, I I appreciate that you can run into that and assuming it doesn't bug, you can understand what needs to happen. <laughs> That's a big assumption. And yeah, like my first time with that one I was like leap, hmm, I'm in the wall. <laughs> Same thing. My actually uh, killed one of my characters. I had I actually had rolled a hardcore character for the first time in ages, and uh, that very thing happened to me. But okay, and in that one, you're perfectly fine. Where it's like, okay, there's a reflex, but in theory, if you're bad with reflex, you can compensate it by having increased amounts of movement speed on your build. Absolutely. Um, in which case, you're getting your ARPG element where you can overgear it, but you still have to pay attention to what's going on. And like, that's kind of the, would that be like the pinnacle design that's happening right there? Yes, in my opinion. Out of curiosity, how do you think about the whole Cirrus fight? Uh, man, the whole, <laughs> as a whole, I think that Cirrus is a pretty dog water fight, and I think that it's a tragedy that that's like the second, like highest boss in the game. To me, Cirrus is like. Gwen, Gwen, Lord of Cinder from Dark Souls One, 
you just have like all these god like godlike bosses and you get to the end of the game and you this is the boss fight that's presented to you <laughs> you know what i mean it it can be anticlimactic quite a bit at least he's less buggy kind of yeah yeah it's definitely in, in sort of the best spot that he's been in a while but to me i just fundamentally i just don't like the boss fight uh well if you for the most part you seem to be very kind of unsatisfied with the boss fights that are available in path of exile um what do you want to see overall happen so if you're saying like oh i like the uber elder fight does that mean every map needs to have some type of uber elder quality challenge at the end of it or where do you where do you want to see bosses um within path of exile and how they're distributed or because like technically bosses are unique enemies and it's not a great classification that we have yeah yeah and at the, and i think that uh i think it, it small very small note i think that it's high time ggg introduce a new color or a tier indicator for something above unique maybe it should be like gilded or like you know or like purple or something like very distinguishably different like this is something above like a unique monster or this item is above unique so like headhunter for example shouldn't have an orange box that shit should have like glowing gold like this is you're never going to find this but here it is and same thing with bosses there should be an indication maybe it'd be like a, a screen indication like a dark souls health bar where it's like this is very different from the bosses that you've fought before i think that poe needs that uh, just as a small aside but um i think there are some map bosses that are better than Sirius. i think there's already in in some maps they have you know decently compelling uh mechanics if you're not able to to delete them in a quarter second you know in a in a solo cell found setting I think that there are a lot of really cool bosses. Um, the, the first one that comes to mind, um, the names are escaping me now that I'm live on a podcast. But You don't remember the... all the unique names from all the map bosses? How dare you? <laughs> but like, like the, the three sort of skeletal, tribal, like the, the trio. Oh, from the cemetery uh, map, I think it is? Yep. I think that that's pretty cool. Um, there's the Forked River boss. I like him. It's the graveyard. Um, there's the chaos based one uh, that does like the vine attacks. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. I think that, you know, he's really, really interesting. Um, uh, the map layout where the boss has the chamber of like the stone or terracotta soldiers. And there's like the stone ball rolling through. I find oh, I hate one that one. I, I know. <laughs> his, his alternate um, whatever orb ability to channel one. It does so much damage. Yeah. And, but like and those... it's black. Like It just hides in the shadow, and all of a sudden you're like, boop, gone. And you're like, what? What happened? Exactly. But those are the ones that come to mind. Those are my favorites out of the, uh, out of the map Stormburst, that's the ability. Yeah. And, well, uh... and they become memorable. Like I think that ends up being one of the elements you're looking for. Like If you can't remember the boss fight, well, who cares? Exactly. Sometimes you remember the bad designs. Cirrus is going to be rememberable or memorable, I should say. Yeah, I just I know that a lot of people swear by Cirrus, and I think a portion of that is due to 
very limited amount of pinnacle bosses in the game. So I think that just psychologically it'd feel really bad to think that the thing that you're striving for is really bad or the thing that you're really striving to fight is a bad fight. So I get maybe the, the potential psychological disconnect. I just think that Cirrus, there was a lot left on the table. I think from like a voice acting standpoint, a lore standpoint, Cirrus is, is, a, very, is a very epic character in Path of Exile. I like Cirrus as a character and some micro elements in his fight. But on the whole, I think they, they really disappointed with him. Okay, well, before continuing, so we've gone for about an hour, and we said we we're going to do maybe about 45 minutes. Do you want to stay on, uh, chat a bit longer so that we can go out over like the Path of 2 topic, uh, Path of Exile 2, or do you, you have a time constraint and we'll finish up? Oh, I have no time constraint when it comes to talking about my okay. favorite games. I've, I've, I've told, <laughs> I, uh, I'm actually, uh, I'm a risk manager at a finance company, and I basically said, I was like, you know, for potentially up to three hours, do not call my phone. Uh, I am not available to you. So <laughs> priorities. That's what's important. <laughs> I told them. Some people have risk for. management. You've got path of exile. <laughs> I said, if you're losing millions of dollars, it's not my problem. It was like, last time I checked, <laughs> I have dropped many millions of dollars to your bottom line. You can take not having me for three hours. Cause one of the things that kind of popped into my mind when you mentioned like the boss things in path of exile two, it looks like we're going to have arena indicators where when we're fighting a boss that their health bar is locked into the top of the screen yep. and not, you know, having to mouse over it because I think it's pretty fair that the fact that the ARPG design still has that you have to mouse over to see the health bars yeah. is just <laughs> painful. <laughs> I, I don't... Like, well, it was like I'll say to the monster design section, there there really has to be something like that. I just, I find it funny that it took, you know, what, by the time Path of Exile 2 releases, it will have been, what, like 13, 14 years for them to have put that into the game? When did it go into... Because you, you said you played since beta. I think you told me yeah, off beta. the stream. So yeah, you've been playing since closed beta. And yeah. then, like, even then... D2 probably should have had that implemented. <laughs> like, you, d true. they didn't learn that from D1, and we're asking for, like, a static GUI. Yeah, and, and, I, and I guess, you know, things that seem simple now uh, were created because some genius paved the way, and I know I've brought up Dark Souls, and I sound like a, you know, Miyazaki fanboy. But, we know you, know you are. You step into the boss ring, and that, that health bar starts filling up. You know you're in for a fucking so... Uh, I think that, you know, they, they see the success in that. Just, I don't think there's any problem. A, another game does it really well. Just copy it. Just look at D3. They had a shit game. They made a real shit version of a Path of Exile's endgame. And now they had a better game. Yeah, and video games do base off like, hey, that's a good idea. Let's, you know, fit it into whatever our concept is. Yeah, so then I have no leaning into PoE 2... What are the things that you are like that we've seen that you're most hopeful about? Uh, and then what are you like? Okay, I'm really nothing's been talked about about this in Pee Wee Two, but it matters to me, and I'm worried that it's quiet. Yeah, <clears throat> and based off of what they have shown, which you know, I I, I don't mean to sound like a, a mindless detractor, but GGG is frequently demonstrated something and then the product that we actually get is one thing entirely different however just based solely off of what we've been shown and hoping that that stays true to what was demonstrated 
Um, every single sub boss and boss that they've shown their snippets are precisely what I'm looking for in an ARPG boss fight. Absolutely. Without a doubt. So you've been pretty excited about the elements we have so far. I've been over the moon and I understand that, uh, and for full bias, uh, if I were to have, you know, like an ideal clear speed or an ideal fight pace in an IRPG, it's going to be grimmed on. And most POE players are going to roast me for that. I really don't care. I understand that Path of Exile is in that game. I don't expect it to be. But what they showed was closer to that ideal brutal combat where, you know, shit isn't just evaporating, you know, as you're going through the content. You're actually using, you know, varied strategies. You know, you're using AoE spells because there are more enemies, but the AoE abilities do, you know, obviously less damage. You're swapping stances. The spear and the crossbow stuff, to me, I was like, wow, that is a paradigm I can get behind. You know, actively switching stances to suit the need of a situation. Um, so, so that, the boss fights, the, the, what, we've been, what we've been shown, I'm very hopeful on that front. What I haven't seen is any snippet of what the end game looks like. And basically from what I understand, what GGG has been saying on podcasts recently, that maps are basically going to be the same as they are now. Okay. Um, there's been then a lot of talk and memes about... Do you see it the same way? Yeah, no. It's very interesting to see the pace. I run into the issue where I really don't value what I'm seeing because I think about the same way when we get those skill showcases and there's like four mana potions and I'm just like, (laughs) okay, whatever. I'm just... It's a visual. The skill gives us the rough indicator, sure. Yeah. Um, But with that, so the stuff that you've heard it's a bit of a meme, but the whole, like, Chris Vision stuff, like, you're on board in theory if it actually gets executed. Yeah, and, you know, I'm a very jaded individual, so I think it's not going to happen, and it's just like, you know, sort of Chris uh, has alluded to, by the time you get to the end game, it's basically just going to be Path of Exile 1, either explicitly, because I, I think he's just said that PoE 1 and 2's endgame are just the same thing. Am I mistaken? Uh, they seem to be the end. If I remember correctly, it's just a different campaign, and they're both going to lead into the new endgame system, with as long as they ha- don't come up with something new, is going to be like the same core. Don't fix what isn't broken. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it seems like it's just going to end up sort of being the same, which once you, I, don't, I don't really have a major issue with. But if the campaign sort of keeps that pace, um, and if there's something there to maybe reasonably keep it there for certain encounters like expedition for example uh yeah i think i'm generally positive on it um i just i i don't understand how if the two end games are going to be the same how they can actually do anything unique with poe2 because if you have gems like they're saying that have sockets and you don't need links why on god's green earth would you play poe1 you know, and want to go and get a, a six link if you can get a six linked gem from PoE two, for example. And I know a lot of this is based on assuming rarities, but uh, you know, depending on how rare one thing is in one game or another, you know, it's going to be more worthwhile to do one game or another if we end up at the same place to get you know sort of the best foundation for your character. Uh, chat might correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that the new systems are going to be implemented into the PoE 1 campaign. So you're going to have the new socket system, even if you're playing uh, an old character. Hmm. Is that the case? 
that's my understanding like that like the new systems are going to be put into the core game it's just like the campaign and the art is staying together mm. okay well here and I, I i appreciate getting corrected on that front then because it's very important because that would then lead me to say well what is what is really unique about poe2 then because then poe2 is just basically for the players who got sick of poe campaign then right poe1 campaign and instead of offering us, you know, like endless delve or whatever, not saying they should or shouldn't, this is basically like their alternative to PoE one campaign. There's nothing truly unique to PoE two. In maybe terms of like from maybe the items you can get there, that that's my major concern. What you know that there isn't going to be enough distinguishing factors of PoE two to PoE one, because if it's just PoE with a fresh coat of paint and a new campaign, to me that's not a two. You know, there, there's nothing sequel about that. I think that's one of the things that's been a little bit weird with what people are thinking is happening. So the Path of Exile 2 is a alternate campaign. Anything that's being changed beyond that campaign is going to be implemented into character availability of Path of Exile 1. So from a functionality of what your stats are, your tools that are available to you, the difference is theoretically the ascendancies. Now, mm. I want to asterisk this because at one point they talked about the passive tree and there was a hint that there could be theoretically a different passive tree for PoE1 and PoE2 characters and therefore ascensions, but they also don't know either. Like, we haven't gotten a lot. So, but like the gem system would be for both, the end game would be for both, any of the new skills would be for both, um, at least at this point. But we have not gotten like a ton of information so yeah it really is a reboot story and then the implementation of a ton of new systems yeah to me that that's maybe a bit of a letdown um i think that there should uh, just the fact that we don't know for sure whether or not there are enough unique elements about poe2 that you can get from it to bring to the end game because personally, I would love for there to be a reason to play both games. I know that maybe a lot of people uh, are kind of like vomiting at this point, thinking about having to play both campaigns uh, when they can't even stand, you know, leveling one to two tunes in the current campaign. Um, I, I, I would be worried if there aren't enough unique elements exclusive to, you know, like the PoE2 campaign, for example. I, I have... I have a feeling that the only thing that's going to be exclusive is going to be the ascensions. Um, and you're going to play through the campaign based off the ascension you want. Yeah, and, and I've sort of gotten sort of the, the same sort of feeling. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you have a lot of feelings on that. I was under the impression that when ascendancies dropped, you weren't a fan. Is that fair? I was not a fan. And if, once again, not, I want to make sure I'm not misrepresenting you, it was due to the sheer power that were offered and they were not negotiable, essentially? Uh, it was, the power was one of the elements, but one of the other things was, like, the core design of Path of Exile pre-Ascendancies reminded me of, like, the Titan Quest, where, like, technically you had class options, but, you know, you're essentially a blank slate, a tabula rasa. Mm. And from there... The other thing, too, is, like, the min-max difference between some of the classes was, like, okay, you know, whatever. You, you can have a very small difference of, like, spell damage to elemental damage for double-dipping on your 
blame Prolif from like the Witch and the Shadow, but it it felt pretty good to me. And now we have that situation where it's like, oh, this ascendancy is shit. This patch, so don't even bother with this one. Yeah, and I, I definitely feel uh, feel what you're you're saying on that. And I, I have been given some hope by GGG with the fact that they've made their ascendancies, their ascendancy stats and effects more generic, more agnostic, so that they're maybe sort of getting back to that space. Because I'm right there with you. One of my favorite builds from Path of Exile is Crips, Terran Shiver, Freeze Pulse Marauder. You remember that shit? Yes, that, that was an old... I think that was pre when I played, but I remember seeing the video because I had to be like 0.9.4C or something like that. Yeah, so people are looking at this Marauder using Terran Shiver Freeze Pulse and they their minds were rightfully blown because the idea of some big, dumb Indian character you know, stacking enough intelligence to be able to use what at the time was a very high int requirement staff, freeze pulse, you know, leveling a bunch of int gems, you know, critical damage curse, things of that nature. It was pretty wild. So I'm right there with you that initially ascendancy was just sort of like, you know, if you want to play traps, it's saboteur or you're retarded. And that sort of flew in the face of what POE established fundamentally. And the more that we get back to, there is no, you're not automatically wrong for choosing, you know, X character, the better. So I hope maybe that they're moving more towards that for uh, both games. I'm going to get in a lot of shit for your one comment. Uh, but that ended up being one of the things with, like, the Ascendancies. Um, with, like, the the Necromancer ended up being a very generic example of it, where it's just like, oh. And oddly enough, they've done a really good job for non-minion Necro better than I would have expected of any of the mm -hmm. Ascendancies. Um but then moving back, you had like the Marauder Wander fire strength stacking fire prolif, which was from Crip. And if you like, it was a slow build when you compare it to the stuff you see now. Oh, yeah. I mean, but back then, its clear speed was pretty good. Like, it was very competitive compared to, you know, what else was around. So it wasn't a troll build by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, no. It was really good comparatively. Yeah, and then you add to the fact that not only was it doing what other spellcasters were doing, it was tanky as shit. You know, even by today's standards, it had decent life, you know? So back then, it was, you know, essentially immortal, if played correctly. So with Path of Exile 2, then, you're very interested in seeing the new Ascension options, because we're getting basically double the amount of Ascensions. And you're looking forward to what's available there, or are you more concerned? Because you've said like that you kind of preferred the pre-ascension system, but the new ascensions are going to be a fairly large element of PoE two, even though we don't have much information on them. Yeah, I definitely prefer the pre-ascension, even though I enjoy the power that ascension gives. You know, it's fun. To, you know, spec two nodes, and your character is completely different from a power perspective, just from like a, a base stance. Like that's cool. But from a philosophical standpoint, just with what PoE... Oh, philosophical, was... are we? <laughs> I know, right? By the way, I think my mind is poisoned from that podcast last night. The word philosophical was probably used like 200 times. If you did a drinking game, you're probably dead. But um, uh, fundamentally, PoE, once again, you're not trolling if you picked X character. Sure, from like a min-max perspective, you know, you want your 11 out of 10 character. You're going to pick the position on the tree, which most effectively gives you what you need. And I'm not saying that that doesn't exist. It's always going to exist. 
However, when you choose a different character and it's just automatically by virtue of picking that character, 50 to 60% less effective than the other ascendancy, that's where I start to have an issue. So if they continue to put ascendancies to have unique character effects or unique defensive options, dare say, uh, there is where you're sort of winning me over. So as long as they focus on the unique elements and not necessarily just the raw numbers, you'll be perfectly fine with them. Yeah, I don't think there should be any node in an ascendancy tree that has, you know, uh, something specific. There shouldn't be like melee damage nodes on the way. Like, once again, I love Saboteur, I love Trappers. Saboteur should not exist in the way that it does. There should be more space for Trappers, in my opinion. And it's kind of a shame that uh, Saboteur kind of, you can't really, obviously there are some other, uh, some examples, like there's Raider Trappers that are pretty good, depending on the type of trap that you use. Um, Scion Trappers that are marginally effective, but on the whole, you're trolling generally, if you're not picking Saboteur. So as long as they're taking away, you know, like, it, I don't want two-hander minor nodes on Ascendancies. I want either generic damage nodes or unique mods. So, you know, for Saboteur, maybe like the small nodes are like chance to blind or chance to gain fortify on strike or something of that nature. I don't know. I, have, I haven't thought that point out completely. Um, I would just, the less, the least specialized the damage nodes are on the Ascendancies and more about, once again, those unique effects that you're going for, like Slayer Leech. Like I'm playing a Slayer because I want a Spellcaster with good Leech, you know? I think that that's sort of the space I would like to operate in. So then something like the Raider is, you know, maybe not it's perfect, but thematically it's ideal. It has a charge generation. It has generic stats that works for most builds. It has a good variety of like the elemental effects. So you would say that maybe it could be too strong or too weak, but you like overall what it's trying to do and how it's trying to do it. It's funny you mentioned the Raider. The Raider is in my opinion, from like my ideal design perspective, the perfect ascendancy. And what would be the worst one? The the saboteur as the example? Yeah, just because if you know if you're not playing saboteur, traps are just by virtue of not picking saboteur less effective. So then, looking into Path of Exile two going forward, uh, with the ascendancies, you're going to be excited about them as long as they have the appropriate like you know, unique themes while A, being unique in terms of what you can do, still generic enough so it's not like, I want to do X, now I have to play Y Ascension. Yes, and I think they would benefit from not going overboard and making like another three Ascendancies for every class, because if you're trying to execute that vision, it's very difficult. I have difficult. bad news for you. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> they're doubling the number of ascensions. So it's the same amount of ascensions in theory for the new content. I, I don't. I I hear what they're saying. I don't believe it. I don't believe they can make another three ascendancies for PoE2 and they be any good. Like they either have to be blatantly overpowered, you know, to just be interesting. You like know it's going to be that one. Oh, yeah. I mean, given what, given the history that we've been given, there's no reason to believe otherwise. I just, if that's what they're doing, I can already tell you that they're not going to be interesting. GGG has shown, shown us that when they try to do a lot of things at once, those things are done fairly half-assed. You know, just look at sort of their balance passes. How many 
of their changes have they gone and you know they've had to reassess like oh shit we fucked up guys sorry you know it, it's very obvious that when ggg uh puts too much on their plate they half-ass the whole list of things there's very few things on that long list of things that they want to do that come out well polished and well executed okay so what is the one skill that you really really just want to see buffed because you're just pissed off that it's garbage and you're like, I want to play this skill. For the love of God, Buffett, please. <laughs> and and that, that's a hard thing to say, right? Because, you know, if you get to the top end, if you put in enough currency, every skill in PoE works, maybe aside from, like, devouring totem. We all know that. You're like avoiding that. the damn question. <laughs> okay. So, um, ethereal knives. I know that's probably really troll, but that's one of the ones that comes to mind for me. It's such a classic skill. Okay, so then with Path of Exile 2, um, you, one of the things that you mentioned in the email was that there was also things that you wanted taken out of Path of Exile. So what are the things that you're like, okay, it's been in the game, it's been experimented, but to me, it's not cutting it, and I don't really see a version of Path of Exile 2 that would make me happy to see those elements going forward. Uh, the crafting bench, in my opinion, needs to be drastically overhauled. Meta crafting needs to be deleted from the game. I know. Uh, it seems get... like hard mode might be your thing. I, yeah. I mean, hard mode... And I get that, but there are some aspects about hard mode that I'm not going to enjoy. Because Is a lot it the of... quantity? The, the quantity of, of what? Oh, it seems like one of the major things about hard mode is just going to be a massive quantity. Oh, 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 so you're, you're talking about the quality reduction item drops. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought... I didn't know what the quantity of what you're referring to. I apologize. Um, it's not even necessarily a reduction in the quantity of items, which I mean, is an, that's not what I have a, of an issue with. They're reducing drops on everything. Like Chris is saying, like to have a rare item, like is an achievement. So to me, one of the most interesting things to do in POE, even though it's never economically responsible or an intelligent thing to do. I think that the Path of Exile crafting system and the currency that you use to craft items is one of the aspects that make it so unique. There's no other ARPG where you can potentially make items like you can in Path of Exile. So to me, a hard mode takes away from what is already an ailing crafting system in the game, in my opinion. So then and with Path of Exile 2, you like the ideas that we would potentially be looking at um, less like guaranteed crafting power through a crafting bench. Because you said that you know crafting is fun, but you don't like the crafting bench. You'd like to see that taken out. So you want to see more of the pure random crafting that's part of Chris's vision? Well, I would actually take it a step further from Chris's vision, because I think Chris's ver uh, version of the game is... Uh, it's not... It's not difficult, it's tedious. And I think that's an important distinction to make. He wants a masochist mode where things are just purposefully difficult for the sake of being more difficult. You know, he just wants it to be just borderline tedious to get gear upgrades. It's like, okay, cool. I'm going to have to run blood aqueducts 500 times to be able to get 20 more lightning resist on my character. To me, that's not difficult. There's nothing difficult about running up and down blood aqueducts until you solve what is an artificial issue. To me, I think that there should be more currency items. So maybe there's like a um, there's like a a blade orb 
where if placed on an item, it gives you like a 30% additional bias towards, uh, you know, like physical mods, you know, things of that nature. And I know that there are shit like that exists in, in terms of like fossils, but I think that there's also space in terms of actual currency orbs to imprint an item with a with a particular bias. Um, there's some and they, those will obviously be extremely rare. I think there's some space for the actual currency orbs themselves to be more effective. And I get it. At the end of the day, you know, maybe these systems are irrelevant to people because like trade exists and trade has ruined Path of Exile. I know another hot take of mine. Um, one of the biggest mistakes GGG ever did was going away from the, you know, forum shop system and streamlining it because, you know, the game was already more efficient to trade. It is now basically, if you're not trading, you're trolling. There's never a world where crafting your own shit is more effective from a cost perspective. It doesn't exist in current PoE. I know they can't go back from it. I'm just saying that, you know, from from hindsight, trade has kind of ruined things. I just think that, um, you know, because I play solo self-found softcore uh, a lot, either that or very limited leagues with maybe 100 people. And having very limited trade is much more interesting, in my opinion. Because maybe you can get, like, a slight upgrade, but, you know, there's never going to be available mirror-tier items or no-brainer upgrades available to your character. And I think just introducing more currency orbs in the game and ways to make your own um, sort of things, I think that would that would benefit the game. So taking a look at kind of the, the general thing that you were talking about, that the crafting you'd like to see moving into PoE 2, less through the bench and theoretically the unveiling and more through the random system, but having more player influence. So in a lot of ways, if the... Fossil crafting was the default crafting and the default currency that we got and players understood rather than chaos. That would be more what you're looking for? Absolutely. I think that the fact they nerfed fossils was kind of sad. I actually really enjoyed that system. Um, I think that it should be retooled in so much as fossils should only be available once you get to a certain depth. I think that you should have to work to engage in that system. But yeah, I think that the fossil system is really cool. It's one of the, my favorite uh, crafting things that were introduced into the game. Uh, other, sorry, other than the crafting bench, is there a like a currency-related crafting that just didn't hit the mark for you? Like you're just like, no. Annul annulments also need to die. I Fight like me. annulments. What's <laughs> what's wrong with <laughs> annulment orbs? <laughs> I mean, on, on one hand, it's a super hilarious currency where, you know, if you're reckless and you're like, oh, man, if I take out like this stun threshold mod, I could craft some godlike shit on it. It's like the fact that annulment orbs are <laughs> are ever successful is because like meta mods and shit like that exist. So I, I think that I don't know if the if the if the crafting bench didn't exist, I don't think annulments would be that big of an issue. But the fact that they're used in tandem with a broken no-brainer system, you know, to make sort of your best items uh, is the issue for me. So really, you would be perfectly fine with the annulment orb. You just want like the uh, meta mod uh, crafting to be removed. Yeah, it's the way that it interacts, which poisons me on annulment orbs. Yeah, because for me, I think the aspect about annulment orb that makes things more interesting is without the annulment orb, there's just dead gear. With the annulment orb, you can evaluate an item and be like, hey, there's a one in six chance that this item is actually really good. <laughs>
Yeah. So it, also, it it improves the amount of rares that are potentially valuable in the economy. Yeah. That's the interesting part to me. Yeah, and I would agree on that front. So then with the crafting, you'd like to see something that more relied on. It doesn't have to be the fossil system, but functioning like the fossil system. With the Ascension, you're perfectly fine with the Ascensions being brought over. You just want to see the unique elements kept and anything that isn't unique to more or less be tossed out the window. So skills ends up being another thing going into Path of Exile 2, where it's like, okay, we have a lot of bloat in both the supports. We have like the skill gems going into Path of Exile 2. You're looking at potentially like 10 plus 6 links. So, you know, 50 support gems. What do you see that you're like looking forward to that and what do you see needs to get cut where you're just like okay this is more stuff that you don't really care for i mean if they're going to go to like every gem potentially has a six link i think that the sockets on armors should be revisited um i think there should just be less sockets on armor you know and we're going like back to like d2 days we're like oh my god my armor has a socket if that's you know maybe sort of the world that we're going to um, in my sort of ideal headspace, um, because the the idea of having like you have like your six socket body armor and you have six six links, you actually going to use like even a quarter of those six links realistically. Well, so just for a reference, how we do know ish, like what they said, so they're going to be reducing the number of sockets. So your body armor will have two sockets, your helm, gloves, and boots will have one socket, and your weapons will have one socket or a two-handed weapon will have two sockets. Mm. Yeah, that would definitely make more sense. So it seems like they're going more to that camp of, you know, the, the sockets being like, holy shit, my item is, you know, two sockets. I think that that's the more interesting way to go to it. So yeah, if that's what they're doing, yeah, I'm on board with that. But yeah, having like the, the people going nuts, like, I have fucking 15 six links. I'm like, I alright, man, cool. You're never going to use half of those, but go for it so for you having all of these extra sockets you're just like i i really just don't care like it's more sockets whatever i mean from like a novelty perspective it'd be cool right like you're pulling like a i don't know like a strike build of some kind and you use like a different strike situationally i don't know <laughs> like it, there's some novelty to it it's not completely irredeemable it's just going to be utilized so little that i just i don't see I just don't see it being like as poggers as it is for other people, you know, people like freaking out, like, oh, look at all these six links. I'm like, once again, you're going to use two of them at most, man. Sorry. So that ends up being the interesting part to me, because it was such a big pitch, especially when we saw the Exile Con people reaction. And even for myself, I'm like, OK, you know, what can I do with this? And you're just like, do not give a shit. Like, OK, it's different. That's the end of the story for me. Yeah, I, I was hyper focused on the mechanics of the monsters, the boss fights. All that stuff was fluff, and you know I don't I don't like to trash GGG, although I don't agree with a lot of their decisions. I think that generally speaking, they're well intentioned. Um, I <laughs> when they throw shit out like that to me, uh, they do a lot of what I like to call uh, like le random dartboard points to throw in presentations, where it's like, oh look at this super wacky zany thing, and it's really quite ineffectual. Um, and they try to like use that as their selling point because they're like not confident about the core package that they're delivering. And I think if they just focused on doing less things excellently, that we would be far more interested um, 
about patches than just be like, oh, we fucking 500 new skills and two of them are usable. It's like, cool. You know what I mean? So you're you're in the sense you're like, you don't really care. Just give me a javelin skill that doesn't suck. Exactly. I want them to do a smaller and more focused amount of changes that are very high quality and polished. Uh, and over a course of time, you're going to have a really godlike game with that focus. I think there are plenty of games that you could point to that have adopted that. Um, Destiny 2 being one that I've been playing recently. Not a perfect game, but they've gone with that. They do a f- fewer things, but in a more focused fashion over a long period of time. The game, by the time that the next expansion comes out, I mean, Destiny 2 is like, if you're not playing it and you like, you know, looter shooters, you're trolling. So I, in the same vein, I think if GGG sort of focuses their improvements on, you know, a smaller amount of things, but making them highly refined and compelling, I would prefer that than them wasting time on some half-brained sort of wacky things on the side. Okay. With a lot of the things you're like, okay, you're trying to be critical. Um, you do really like the general directions. It's just a question of whether or not the execution, because it seems that Chris's vision actually is what you want. What we've seen about PoE 2 is like, it does seem to cater to someone like you who've been playing since beta, who is perfectly fine with the current zoom zoom, but is also really looking forward to it being pulled back quite a bit. So then where do you find that people unfairly criticize or too harshly like attack GGG pretending that they stand for the community when you find yourself being like, I like this. Where's everyone else? Like, don't speak for me. Because I over-criticize quite a bit. Well, and and I I wasn't at all trying to imply that I was trying to call you out on that or anything. No, no, I'm literally just curious on where you find that, because that's part of the point of this. It's like, you know, you don't get an opportunity for your opinion to be in the general sphere of conversation. And that can always feel weird when someone's like, hey, we don't care about this. And you're like, I care about this. No, you're exactly right. I think a lot of the criticism that is levied towards GGG are individuals that are assigning malicious intent to changes. Um, you know, I think that people have some of the things I've seen on Reddit. I know Reddit, the the mecca of intellectual conversation, but you know, these are very dedicated players. They care enough to go onto forums to talk about a game they love. Their voices are important, even though on the whole they can be, you know a bit disingenuous or rambunctious. It's still important to have these conversations because at the end of the day, it benefits the whole community. The the tendency to once again, assign bad faith or malicious intent to GGG, generally speaking, is wrong. I'm not saying that GGG has never done anything wrong or they haven't bullshitted us. When they said that, oh, you know, the development of PoE for consoles didn't affect the development for Path of Exile as a whole, you're so full of shit, I could smell you from China. You know what I mean? It, it's utter, it's complete bullshit. And uh, when Chris was saying, oh, hard mode isn't affecting the, like the first podcast he did, hard mode isn't affecting the development of Path of Exile. Just last night on Grimrose podcast, he just admitted that it did. So there are instances like that where it's like, okay, is this a side project that you're doing after hours? Or are, are you using this as a vehicle to assess your game? Like, and, and it's actually creating change because they do give very mixed messages at times. So I'm not saying they do nothing wrong. I just, I don't think that Chris is doing that to fuck with us. I just think that they have so much on their plate that they need, need, need to slow the fuck down, collect their thoughts, and just say what they really mean the first time. You know, community 
backlash be damned, just be straight up. And I know it's a hard thing to ask because you have a thousand people screaming at you. You could tell people as much as that you want. Oh, you know, just ignore it. You can't. You know, if your life is making this game and you have thousands of messages a day telling you how shit you are at it, it's going to have an effect on your work. So I think that um, their their consistent messaging, how maybe they've sort of overlooked um, how they're presenting their development priorities is some of the things that I would criticize the most. Um, but the thing I would call most people out are assuming that GGG is doing that maliciously or that Chris is just, you know, guile flash kicking every single developer that you know wants the game to be faster okay so in it in a way that i see that and i end up disagreeing and so i'm curious on your thoughts because i find there are certain evident changes that to me come across that it's just trying to make me play more not necessarily have more fun and therefore mm. you know it's the player retention meme where it's like oh our player retentions are up yeah but did the players have more fun in that period of time and that's where i find personally that it ends up being malicious design and so you're on the stance where it's like it no it's just mistakes well and i think that what you said is very important that this player retention is something that whenever a developer says it i i want to backhand them to be honest that's like my physical response just because a player plays more does not mean that the game is a better product. Because just like you said, there are artificial roadblocks put in place for players to achieve something that they could have done maybe in another uh, time in the lifespan of the game easier and enjoyed it more. So they're like, oh, well, players are, are quitting earlier. Yeah, because they reach their own personal goals. So who cares if your player retention is higher? You know, they're just the reason why it's higher is because basically they're roadblocks to achieve the personal goals that they set or you know, their personal feelings about the game have been achieved and they quit. There's nothing wrong with players getting to that point and achieving their goal quicker than before. That doesn't mean that your game is worse. It doesn't mean that it's more poorly designed. Just like you said, is it more fun? I think that is always the question you have to ask. Um, so I can see how you view that as malicious because you know, you're a discerning individual to you. You're like, well, they're purposefully making it um, you know, whatever system you're, you're referring to that increases the amount of time to accomplish what you're wanting to do or uh, getting more fun out of more time spent on something, you know, they're just trying to keep you in the hamster wheel and offering you more opportunities to buy microtransactions. So I think, and I'm, I hope I'm not misrepresenting what you're going for in that. Um, no, I think but, you're accurately representing my position on this. Yeah, I mean, so I, I can see how, you know, if you're using that perspective, how it is malicious. And to a certain extent, I'd be hard pressed to disagree. Um, I just think that game development nowadays, it's, it's very difficult to make a compromise between you and the developer. We haven't had a conversation with a company where it's like, you know, how much money are we okay with you making? What do we need to do to get to that goal? You know, and having a unified vision on the game moving forward. That conversation's never happened. I don't know if it can. So to me, I don't view it as malicious because to me, I'm like, okay, well, there are always going to be elements in game design that uh, we're going to have to swallow maybe a tougher pill on because they have metrics they have to meet. So I'm willing to deal with a little bit more bullshit if it means that on the whole, the product is good and they could still move forward and develop it. 
Um, so you would find someone in my position because you can understand my rationale. So you're like, no, PT, you're just being retardedly altruistic. Like, it's not how the world works. You can hope, but, you know, you're being stupid. No, I, I wouldn't say you're stupid at all. Like I said, you're, I, you're... I, I could confess that I am often flawed altruistic to certain goals, and that's perfectly fine. Yeah, and, and what my, my main priority is to not to talk down to your nature. Oh, you, you can way. talk down to me. I, I am a big boy. I, I can deal with this. Oh, I understand you have thick skin. You know, your your whole outro for a while was, you know, fuck yourself. Like, I, I understand, you know, your, <laughs> you know, sort of a, how you like to operate. It's just from, for me personally, I don't like being disingenuous to people. I don't like people being disingenuous to me. That is like my priority intrapersonally. So I don't like viewing your philosophical stance on game design as being an inherent negative because maybe, you know, to your point, maybe you're a little bit too altruistic or you have potentially an unrealistic view of the world or it's untenable, impractical, something like that. There are plenty of views and things that I have that are impractical, even though in a vacuum, ideally, they sound great. So I'll never talk down to that. I think it's important to have people like you and to have people who are more, I guess, pragmatic and willing to swallow bullshit because the friction between those two are going to get us the best balance in my opinion because if ggg is too generous you know they don't do enough to monetize their game you know maybe they can't make it you know over the long term maybe they can't offer us the best product but on the other end you know we'll get fucking call of duty where you know oh wait your character wanted legs that's twenty dollars microtransaction get fucked you know what i mean no, and it makes sense, and it's this really awkward balance, because as you said, you were never going to have that theoretical, honest conversation with, you know, that the CEO of a company of, like, how much money is okay, and how much money is greed, and it's yep. not a conversation that's going to exist, and yep. even if it theoretically happened, it would be a PR lie, and we would all know that. Um, but it's interesting that you want to be like, hey, I, so you, for the most part, you are in the stance that most of the problems are a consequence of overambition and then not knowing how to deal with the damaged goods that were all theoretically great, but it just kind of fell through in the development end and then they just I, don't own up to it. I feel so strongly about that. To, personally, I don't see how you can view it any other way. If you just watch their interviews, if you just hear what Chris says, when he, how many times have you heard this guy go onto an interview or a podcast say we bit off more than we can chew? It sounds like they bite off more than they can chew every single day they get into work. So I don't know if that's just a GGG culture thing, and he's just not um, a good enough leader in that regard and reining people in and focusing them. And maybe it's just um, a GGG work environment where their design space is far too broad and they allow too many ideas in and they don't have a very good filtering process. So maybe you can assign, you know, uh, you know, more blame to Chris, um, but when we're not there, so we can't really know that for sure. So there's a lot of unknowns in that. But just from what I've seen, I don't see a guy who's trying to fuck with us. I see a guy trying to make the best game that he can, and he and his company want to continue growing the player base because they're on a roll. What was it? Every single expansion, this record broken, this record broken, this record broken. And when that's the precedent that's set, that's a very hard momentum to break. 
And when it is broken, like it presumably was in Expedition, where it just feels like maybe the, the car got a brand new set of brakes, you barely tap those bitches and your fucking head hits the steering wheel, sort of feels like where we're at right now, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting perspective because I do often look at things from a little bit more of a cynical viewpoint, and it can be a defensive thing where it's like, hey, if I assume you're trying to fuck me, I'm putting myself in a best-case situation where, you know, hey, I was wrong, it's a win for me. Um, and I know that that's the lens that I want to look at things from, but you're looking at, it like, we're using the same information, and your argument does make sense, where you're just like, hey, you know, clearly it's feature creep, and they still just haven't learned their lesson that maybe they should tone it down, because you've constantly said, like, hey, if Wee 2 just tones things down, we get stuff like Expedition, where it's, like, small, concentrated quality, you're going to be happy. No, and, and the, the unfortunate reality, PT, is that you've been shown to be correct in a grand majority of situations, that to have that stance is the correct stance. If you're only allowed to be on your side of the fence or the other side of the fence, any self-respecting human being would generally find themselves on yours. That generally speaking, companies, you know, are not out for your uh, best interests. People as a whole are not out there for your best interests. So I don't find fault in having that mindset of, you know, I need to protect myself. I need to call uh, power to power and things of that nature. I respect that. It is a requirement in my opinion, to have... Well, it better be with your job of risk management. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that, that that's my life, right? <laughs> that's, that's my profession. Absolutely. You couldn't be more right about that. <laughs> my life is about finding a balance. And I think that, you know, in my risk profession, I have an interesting perspective on GGG and maybe some other companies. Not, not to say that it's more special or more valid. I just think that, um, you know, the way that I view things... Uh, is a maybe a more nuanced perspective than maybe what you generally get from your redditors well and the problem that you have is even when you talk about reddit as a whole like we're kind of smoothing the nuances of the opinion to aggregate the data which gets rid of a lot of the purpose why someone came to their specific conclusion and that's why i want to do a podcast like this for the specific you know experiences that you've had so we might as well start wounding. We might as well. Uh, we might as well start uh, bringing this to a close. Is there anything that's kind of really important that you wanted to talk about, whether all the elements or something that we haven't touched at all? That you're just like, hey, I wanna, I wanna speak about this. I wanna get this out there. It's important to me about you know my path of exile experience. So the most important thing, and I'm not trying to ask grab a shout out to you, cute dog, by the way. Um, I think that the the most important thing is to have productive and rational conversations like this, discussing where people's priorities are. Because in my opinion, it is far more productive to just be honest with yourself and the individual, whether you're being honest to GGG, you, PT, or on this podcast, any individuals that you're chatting with in the Twitch chat, to try your best to assume good faith and good intentions to somebody, unless they've shown you otherwise. And try your best to put your ideas, your priorities out there. Because if we don't do that, um, it's just going to be toxic drivel. GGG is going to shut down. They're not going to make the best game. They're going to communicate less, you know, the more vitriolic it gets. So conversations like this where people know very clearly where the other stand 
and we make compromise like, okay, I'm okay with this bullshit as long as I can maybe get some of this. I think that is the key to making sure that this game that I love, that I've dumped way too many hours in, that replaced D2 of all games, I didn't think it was possible for King of ARPG, even with all its faults, I think that PoE is the definitive ARPG. I, I, I just, I see the potential. And if we just hold ourselves to a higher standard um, and we hold GGG accountable in a productive manner, we can expose where the faults are. Um, and not only in GGG's development, because just like I said, you know, what if we just came as a community and just very calmly went, this is our, this is our suite of issues. This is how we've been harmed personally. This is where I feel slighted as a person. You know, you are not demonstrating to me that you care about these things. When you are able to get into a focused group, don't come back to me after I said I'm crying about skill variety and skill viability. Don't just come back to me and said we have 50 new skill gems for the next expansion. Fuck yourself. I don't want to hear that. You know, let's have a, a legitimate back and forth where we are having that legitimate conversation in addressing the fundamental problems that we have so that everybody walks away, maybe with not 100% of what they want, but 80 to 85. And at the end of the day, we're in a, a really godlike fucking game at the end. So that, that's my spiel. So then if there was one thing that you could just fix, like not necessarily add into the game, but a problem that exists to you that would fix the top priority, even if it's like technically meaningless in the grand scheme, grand scheme of things what is it hmm oh boy it's a fucking tough question um because <laughs> i mean i could easily just go delete trade from the game uh but you know, I'd done trade be... deleted that's your answer <laughs> that's my troll er, 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 nope nope we are done guys <laughs> so good. all right so <laughs> uh thank you guys for joining we've we're originally planning for this to do 45 minutes minimum we carried on quite a bit um for those who don't know i'm just trying to do a bit of a podcast trying to get some people's opinion that normally don't get to so if you want to join send me an email uh we had wolf on today he's been playing since beta uh anything else you want to say before we finish up there wolf no i i really appreciate you taking the time um you know i'm not a super popular content creator so to feel like i'm given a platform no matter the size uh, is very important. Uh, I felt like, you know, so I'm generally a loner, you know, I sort of view the game in my own lens. I don't interact with people, you know, very much. It felt good to be able to bounce ideas from you, or maybe even to garner feedback from some of the people who care about the same game that I care about in chat. Um, it means a lot. So I, I really appreciate you putting in the effort um, to just hear from, I guess, the plebs. If, <laughs> if you want to talk about non-content creators, you, you're like played since beta, headhunter, finished all the boss. Yeah, those. You just you're the Reddit casual <laughs> completing all the content. Okay, I'll tell you. There, you know, there are a lot of people that would critique even my godlike shroud of the eternity, all shaper items, headhunter, ek build that fucking deletes every boss in half a second. And yet, so, you want ek to be buffed. Shame on you. Hell yeah. <laughs> but no, seriously, thank you, PT. I really do appreciate the time. And thanks to everybody in chat who, um, you know, contributed to the conversation. I think it's really important.